Hello, welcome back to Mosaics. I'm Holly Beach. Uh, it's our podcast with the Idaho Office for Refugees to share the story of Idahoans from all around the world. And today we have the honor of speaking with Sahi Hizmati. He is an Idaho Community Advisor Network Supervisor at the International Rescue Committee in Boise. And most recently in June, you got your citizenship. And so mm -hmm. that was very exciting to be there at World Refugee Day, celebrating that day with you. So welcome to Mosaics. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's um, delightful to be here. And I think the last time we met was an IR retreat, which was in October. Last yeah. October. Yeah, yeah. So like four months ago. Yeah, that was the... <laughs> I know, it really does. So you, um, congratulations on getting your American citizenship. Um, thank you. Takes five years, right, to, to get to that point to be eligible after getting resettled as a, as a refugee? Um, yes, it takes like five years. Um, I mean, it changes, it, it varies, uh, depends on your circumstances and status. And um, so it, in the process takes from like six months to one year. It depends on the backlog. Yeah. And after that, like, you know, they ask you for the interview and they check your background. And after that, like, you know, if you pass your civic test, then there you go. You are yeah. like, you know, uh, they will uh, invite you for the ceremony. ceremony. What was that civic test like? I've never taken it. Uh, it's about like, you know, asking um, about the United States, its history, constitution, which I love the, like, it's my favorite part. You like to learn about all the history yes. things. Uh, yeah. Constitution and history. That's like, you know, my favorite topic in every, like, you know, and any, any, every country or any country. Um, so, yeah, uh, they ask you about, like, you know, your personal life, your history of, like, you know, where you lived and, like, you know, the last five years, what you have done. Oh, they ask like, you about your own life, too? Yes, obviously. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just more of the basics of American government and history. I didn't know you had to share about yourself as no, you well. you had to share about yourself as well. Okay. Uh, like, you know, like, the last five years, what you have done, where you have worked, where you, where you have lived. And also, and then they will ask you about the history of the United States, nice. like, you know, who was the first president of the United States, um, like other questions like okay. that. And also the constitution that when was it was like, you know, implemented or like, you know, talk about the amendments. All wow. Those questions. Yeah. So you had to study. <laughs> I did. <laughs> In fact, I did. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I used to put some of the videos on my uh car when I was like, you know, driving from work to home or from to gym to home or anywhere. I was just putting those videos and they were like, you know, kind of repeating those questions. And I would like, you know, learn the questions and the answers. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned earlier that I love like, to learn more about like, you know, constitutions and history of the countries. So that was very helpful for me to learn, you know, very easily. Mm -hmm. And even though like, you know, I, I, I you know people who have like take a lot of stress about this uh civic test mm -hmm. and they're like you know what are we going to do i mean how are we going to practice and everything but i think yeah uh, learn i mean practicing is one of the keys yeah i'm sure i would need to brush up and practice I mean, if i were to pass I mean, that. if i ask you a question i'm sure you i know i'm like what was the constitution <laughs> written 17 i how can't many remember amendments do we have? oh gosh 21 21 there you go yeah. is it right yeah <gasps> i think so <laughs> just making me feel good <laughs> i think it's <laughs> If the 22nd one is like the most important one, I apologize. Because I mean, I so far it's 21. Please don't take me uh, if yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> we won't judge you on this podcast. You're good. Uh, so you said you like to learn about the countries where you are. Have you lived? What other countries have you lived in? Okay, that's a good question. I have lived in like, you know, uh, 
different places in different uh, countries. I was born in Afghanistan, but my upbringing was like across multiple uh, places, uh, like in Afghanistan and different uh, provinces and cities. Same goes in Pakistan, a little bit of time in India and Dubai. And then finally, I uh, like you know moved or I immigrated to Idaho uh, like six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say I, because my family like they kind of established their roots okay. a decade and a half, uh, like you know before then I arrived, um, we kind of come one by one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I have lived in different countries and I have learned like from their culture. Um, I mean, most of the places, the religion has been the same, Islam, mm-hmm. uh, which is also my religion. And so I have learned uh, from their cultures, from their traditions and their food. I love their food, especially spicy food. <laughs> yes. Is it hard for you to find your spicy food fix here? Well, I, I don't eat a lot from outside. So uh, my parents, especially my mother, she cooks at home and she knows that I like uh, spicy. Mm-hmm. So she makes sure she make my food at least spicy. That's great. <laughs> Yes. Moms are great. <laughs> they are great. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, that's so. When I arrived in Idaho, my first impression was to like, you know, I need to get out of here. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I literally want to move to a different state. But then my parents, especially my brother Suleiman, uh, they insisted me to stay. And you know, because I mean, they had their concern that you know, a young man who's new to the country, so what he's going to do and where mm-hmm. he will live, which is genuine. That's understandable. Mm. So I took their advice and I like, you know, when I reflect back on my decision, I'm like, you know, no, it was a great choice to right. stay here well, in Idaho. Yeah. When you first, what, what were you wanting that you thought Idaho was not? Um, so it's basically uh, you wanted to like live in a state that, you know, you can have more income. Mm-hmm. Um, you can earn more and like, you know, have set up, make a proper life for yourself. Because I always like, you know. Uh, I wanted to have a luxury life, <laughs> but then when kind of you, you know you when you grow, you kind of realize that normal life is important, yeah. uh, normal and a healthy life than a luxury life because always everything comes with their pros and cons. That's true. I like yeah. how you chose nonprofit work as your pathway <laughs> to get rich. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, yeah. I mean, um, that is. Well, let's say that's not surprising because I have kind of experience of like going through the same situation, mm-hmm. but I never th- saw myself in IRC or in a yeah. organization. It would just like, you know, happen. Something just happened. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you're you know, giving back to people who are on a different part of the path from you? Of course. Of course. Definitely. I mean, I I, I, I understand them. So uh, here's the thing that when I, when I arrived in Idaho, as I mentioned earlier, that my family was here already. <laughs> And they were like kind of supported me with everything, mm-hmm. with the housing. Uh, if not, then with the employment, I had to search for yeah. that myself. Yeah. But with the housing and like kind of connecting with the, with the resources, for example, getting your social security card f- uh, from the social security administration or your driving license from a DMV and other resources. Mm. So when I think about it, that what if I was all alone by myself? How challenging it could be. For, for for myself to like kind of find the resources, you know, find a place to live, find a job and always be like, you know, uh, make time for everything to cook, to like, you know, work and to basically everything. And also yeah. like, you know, finding these resources that's so helpful and that's like, you know, necessary in your, in your like, you know, daily life. 
And, and that's why I appreciate these, you know, uh, resettlement agencies and nonprofit organizations. They are very helpful for the new arrivals and new refugees. Yeah. And you also have the English skills. So you had a, another layer of support just through knowing the language. That, that is I, definitely helpful. That's yeah. a definitely helpful. Um, well, here's the thing. <laughs> if I, I mean, it's going to be a long story, but I will make it short. I was uh, kind of like, you know, so my, my parents, they always, uh, one of the reasons why we were just moving around is because uh, they had their concerns about their children's safety. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to like, you know, provide a security and peace environment and like, you know, and also to educate us. That was their kind of goal. And luckily they were able to do so. <laughs> so, and um, I was like, you know, attending school and, you know, English classes. And that's how I learned. But, and so I, uh, let's say I, in my, in my class at that time, I was the youngest and the smartest and, and English classes. And that's why I think I was getting bullied a lot. <laughs> uh. And I don't want it to attend. And my dad was like, you know, no, you have to go. I will mm-hmm. take you there. You would have to stay there with you. I will. So uh, my dad kind of, you know, as uh, crowing me there all the time, like every time I was like going to this um, um, classes, she would, he would, sorry, he would, you know, uh, stay outside, just, you know, oh, make sure I, I, you know, attend the classes and I don't get bullied. Huh. And then also like, you know, the teacher kind of noticed that and then they reach uh, to reach out to him that hey if you want if you're interested you can join him in the class inside oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he started you know attending those classes with me and then he found it very interesting to learn a new language mm-hmm. and then he joined me on all those classes so at that time I was really like you know uh, at, the, at, the, at the young age when you're like 9 or 10 or 11 you kind of easily catch a language yeah it's very easy to do so um so i think i had that you know that skill the talent to learn that and that's why i say i was the smartest in this in the class yeah but, you had an advantage of uh picking it up young exactly how old were you you think um let's say 10 oh yeah around 9 10, 10 11 so you weren't plus. too embarrassed about your dad yet you weren't like 13 14 i was <laughs> no. I, let's say i don't remember maybe it, it was awkward in the beginning but i then but then i think i kind of get used to it and then you know when the time was coming for like you know to go to the english uh, courses so when i say english classes it's same uh, it's pretty much similar to elc which we have here english yeah. language center so it was like you know back in there as well i mean they would uh uh in schools they would like you know have english classes but it was not like you know and the, intensive probably and intense yes which country was this at this point in your life that you were living in so uh pakistan okay and pakistan yeah but um these kind of like uh, English centers are everywhere, like, you know, in, back in Asia, at least. In it is like when I travel, I do feel very privileged because no matter where I go, the chances are someone there will speak English or yes. there will be resources. Yes, yes, yes. And it's pretty fortunate. I mean, it's like I realize that that's like a luxury kind of to be of able course. to. Yeah, it's like, a privilege. Commun- it's a pr- a privilege. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely. a privilege. Because it's an international language. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this is why, like, in a, it's a necessary. Well, uh, I mean, for... I have been in um, Pakistan and Afghanistan, and I know that the a few in the public schools they do not provide uh, English classes until like you know in your on the seven or eight or above okay. classes. But then this is why. But in personal schools, I'm sorry, in private schools, yes. Okay. But you have to pay a very high um, 
amount of money to wow. attend, which I was, I wish I was able to do thanks to my parents again. Yeah. Um, they always wanted to like, you know, educate us. Um, so uh, yeah, it's still um, in one of those English classes. I was like um, going there with my father. And I think after that, there was a huge gap of like seven and eight years that I can like, you know, kind of practice mm -hmm. or like, you know, have a proper communication. And then um, let's say I totally forgot the English language. <laughs> but then yeah. when I came back here, I mean, uh, we had a little bit um, English conversations in the schools and uh, universities, but still like not a proper way of like how we were going to those classes or like, you know, learning at that time. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a huge gap and I couldn't continue to practice and to learn more or have a, like a proper communication with friends. And then, um, but when I came back here, but like communicating with people and kind of like comes refresh back, my mind. Kind of, yeah. Comes back. yeah. I know. I felt Sorry, that way with Spanish. No, it's interesting. <laughs> like I, um, I learned Spanish for so many years growing up, like sixth grade on through college, minored in it. And now like sometimes that global talent, like Heather will bring in a client who speaks Spanish. Yeah. She's like, Holly speaks Spanish. And she'll try to connect us for a conversation. <laughs> and my mind like goes totally blank. Um, Cause I just haven't practiced it for years. Yeah, and I think you need so, to definitely you need to practice, especially when you want to learn a language. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to learn two more languages, uh, like Spanish and Swahili. Oh, Swahili. Yes, I, I want to learn that language. because so a lot of your clients probably speak Swahili. Obviously, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a very um, a well-known language in Idaho, at least. Like, you know, mm -hmm. People know that a lot of people's like, first language is like um, Swahili. So I want to learn that, not just because for my clients, but also like, you know, for everyone around, especially yeah. like if if we cannot help someone through our um, organization, so I ha I mean, if I know their language, I can do it outside of that. So. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I I lived in South Africa for six months and didn't learn. I mean, I feel kind of bad about this now, but I really mm -hmm. didn't pick up any like Afrikaans or Zulu or anything because everyone spoke English too. So I just didn't like. And I again, wish now I would have spent more time learning, but. Yeah. learning uh, Spanish another well another no language. like just the language there of the local culture um it just felt really daunting and I didn't and since English was spoken I kind of got lazy and just used that mm -hmm. so I think it's neat when people put the effort in to um to learn I think when you're young you don't care about these things <laughs> yeah unless you're like you know it's necessary for you to learn because yeah. like there was a time I was living in one of the um cities uh, and I had to like you know learn Pashto so I can speak with yeah. people. <laughs> is that close to Dari or is it totally different than Dari? Uh, no, it's different than Dari. Okay. It's, I always thought maybe they were similar. But... No, they're not similar. Oh, okay. um, I mean, Dari and Pashto are the like, you know, official languages of Afghanistan, but mm -hmm. it's different. Even in Pashto itself, they have different dialects and mm -hmm. different like, you know, uh, communities that speak different Pashtos. I mean, one person can not understand another's. Uh, yeah. I mean, not accent, but dialect. What makes sense are sometimes like when I'm watching TV and it's like Scottish or British accents, I right. find myself like putting the subtitles yeah. on just to hear it better. But when I when I came to uh, Idaho, obviously there was a cultural shock for me, mm -hmm. even though I had everything. Like you know, the big asset for anyone I think would be like their family and their support, and which I have that, and I believe that's a still an asset for me. And it always like has been helpful for me to like, you know, toward me going, um, move on ahead. So uh, one of the stories that um, 
when I got off my first job, uh, back in Afghanistan, when you were like, you know, working or you wanted to show your like closeness or being friendly to one of your colleagues, you would hug them. Mm-hmm. And when I came here on my first day of like, you know, my work, I was working in one of the marketing uh, companies back in Meridian. And so I went to hug one of my friends. His name was Sean. Uh. <laughs> um, and he was like, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> Weirded him out a bit. Oh, like, okay, okay. Like, that's... well, you don't like me too. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then I think it kind of takes time for you to learn that, you know, yeah. this is uh, like, you know, a different environment, different place. And and I think I did. Uh, I kind of learned. And now, I mean, like, you know, I understand things better than, what I, than the time when I came here first initially. Yeah, I think that touch is such an interesting way or like closeness, physical closeness and touch. Like I can't remember where I was going, but my cousin was like, uh, what country it was. But he said, you might see guys holding hands. It doesn't mean that they're dating or anything. They just, um, they're they're closer there. They're more comfortable with physical contact. And here, if you saw guys holding hands, you, you would know they were dating or they were in a right. romantic. Right. But he's like, it doesn't mean... So I mean that it's just there's the different shared closeness yes, that yes. Americans aren't comfortable. We kind of like you know if you're close to someone, you would hug them and kiss them from their cheek. Mm-hmm. I mean that's what I used to do back in there, but nowadays I've, I've, I've someone asked me to hug them or kiss them. I'm like no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Thank How quickly you. you just adapt. a handshake. Nice to yeah. meet you, sir. How quickly you adapt? That's fun. Right. <laughs> I think you have to adapt yourself. Yeah. If you just you know. Um, it's not that you have to lose yourself, but kind of adapting yourself is definitely going to be helpful for you to like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to succeed in your life and in your career and like in a, in a society and an environment. Also that way. Yeah. Did you, what other ways did you find that you were adapting, but you were still staying true to yourself? Uh, learning from, um, I mean, I, I appreciate the diversity that we have in Idaho or in the United States. And, but other than that, I mean, like, learning from their cultures, but also keeping mine as well, mm-hmm. whether it comes to my religious or my uh, culture. Or, like, you know, um, so we believe as a, like, collective, as a family. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I mean, a lot of people does here and a lot of people doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. But, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I stayed the remain, I mean, I remained the same the way I was, like, taught or mm-hmm. have been l- learned from my family like being collective, uh, like, you know, be there for one another and support them. Uh, living collectively, I live with my parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, uh, based on hearing about your mom's cooking, I think that's a very good choice. <laughs> of course, yes, yes. She loves me a lot and I really, you know, appreciate for having a wonderful mother. You have siblings that live there too or nephews, nieces, kids? Of course, I have a lot. And I'm I'm married as well, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I am married, but um, my... Wife and I are like not living together because her visa uh, process, uh, process is still pending. Oh. It's in like you know. Um, so where is she now? She's in Pakistan. How long have you guys been living in separate countries? Uh, two years or more oh, than I'm that. Sorry. Yeah, it's a bit struggling. And yeah, it's hard. It is hard. Uh, well, the reason why I brought this is because like you asked if I have nephews and nieces. I said yes, I do have a niece, a nephew and niece, but I don't have any children. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, I have. Uh, Two brothers and a sister. Uh, one of my older brothers, Suleiman, uh, and my sister lives here with us in Idaho. Wow. And uh, what's your wife's name? Hoda. Hoda Hashmi. Yeah. She is, um, she's a, like, uh, she does political videos in YouTube. Wow. 
And beside that, she has so many other talents, which I always like, you know, surprises me and I appreciate it. Yeah. Do you have any idea of when she'll be able to join you here? I hope soon. I hope okay. soon. But uh, we're just waiting for the um, interview later, for okay. the interview process. So hopefully soon. It's just a backlog that I came. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, she was supposed to be here, like, you know, sooner. But because of the, like, you know, the backlogs, it's just like taking some time. It's a time consuming. So we're just waiting and hoping that it, have, it comes soon. Yeah. How do you stay connected as a couple when you're so far apart? Um, well, it's the social media. <laughs> uh, like, you know, we call it Zamana, like the world of social media. So, I mean, I'm grateful that we have this uh, opportunities to have a video calls and text messaging. And also I, I was, uh, I recently went there to visit her. Oh, good. Uh, when the, I was there with her for like two months. Oh, good. Before just right after, the, uh, before the, sorry, the the match we had, the soccer match we had. Oh, the soccer there. match. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the Afghan Cultural Center match. I just match. came like two weeks before that match. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. I, I saw you there too on that team. That was a really there? fun game. Yes. I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad. Yeah, it, it was, was really fun. Even though it was, it was a great match. Even though it was uh, like freezing to death. It was so cold. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a good match. And I really appreciate whoever organized it. I think it was ACCI. Yeah, at the Afghan Cultural Center. Afghan Cultural Center. Yeah, I appreciate those who organized it. And also the coach and the team. It was a great match. Oh. Uh, I think it was a great opportunity for people uh, to in, like, you know, come and join and have some uh, like you know fun with their families. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it was a little bit cold, but I know, that Can was the next not one be hand. in June or something? <laughs> I hope that, right? I hope yeah. that, too. I think, yeah, they had a match with the team, uh, like, I think, last summer or before that. They went to Seattle. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go there because of the work. And That's why they lost, because you they weren't lost there. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should, you, we you should mention this to Yeah. See, if you don't have me in your team, yeah. that's what happens. <laughs> not going to win. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they lost it there, and I think they invited them back. But, well, um, I was on vacation for two months, and then I came. Uh, I was really not expecting to be in the squad okay. because of, like, you know, being out of, like, you know, exercise and playing, like, out of the, uh, being out of field. Um, I, and I kind of gained a lot of weight because I was eating everything, oh, like DC yeah. food, spicy food, especially with my fly. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I gained a lot of weight and I wasn't like, you know, ready to play, but I appreciate the team and the coach, especially the coach that like, you know, uh, big, he gave me a chance to at least play, I think, I think like the last 20 minutes of the game I played, but luckily we won. Yeah. We were doing a lot of like excessive, uh, practice, mm. but I think, I mean, I can tell that for the last two weeks before the match that I was ready. there, <laughs> getting ready. Yeah. Getting your butt in shape again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... It was kind of helpful. It was kind of helpful. But obviously, it had its tool to stay away from practice and exercise for two months. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it looks very short. But when you're, like, not taking care of your health, not being in diet, it's a lot. Oh, it's it's crazy how fast it, like, yeah. goes away. But then how fast you can get it back to... Have you ever had parathas, chicken cheese, like, parathas or biryanis, like, the spicy food or, like, um... in your Pakistani foods? I don't think I've had Pakistani food. I've had some it's Afghan so, food, but I think they um, made it very like white person friendly. <laughs> well, yes. It wasn't that spicy. It wasn't that spicy. <laughs> well, uh, have you ever had like Indian food? Yeah. It's 
but I'm kind of a baby too. I always go with like the one pepper dish on the menu. I'm getting there. Four or five for me. Yeah, the four or five. I don't think I would do well. (laughs) You were telling me earlier about your name as you were um, trying to help me pronounce it, and I wasn't doing the best job. I apologize. But can you tell us about your name and what you're named after? Sahi. Sahi is. It means being kind. And I hope I am kind. If I'm not, please forgive me. To make sure, like you're not living up to your name. Right. Hismati is basically like my grandfather's name, which was put after us. And uh, Sahi is one of our uh, prophet in Islam. And um, Prophet Sahi. And I think, so, I forgot the story about it. Sorry. <laughs> Earlier you said like a lion. of. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's the main part, but I, I just want to go through the basics of where it was started. But uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing that I remember right now is that uh, people call it, especially in Afghanistan, that Sahi Shere Khoda, which means like Sahi, the line of God, mm. because I think he was very close to God. And um, yeah. Do you have a like a strong faith community here? You seem very connected to your faith. Um, we do have. We do have, uh, I mean, communities from different countries. Uh, we go to mosque for the prayers, and um, yeah, uh, I wanna like you know practice my uh, religion, like you know do my prayers and fasting in Ramadan. Uh, on Ramadan, we do like normally have fasting, which is not like you know it's not about the timing, but for the prayers, I kind of get easy sometimes, even though I wanted like you know uh, do my prayers for the five times uh, on daily basis and also be there on the uh, you know. On, be on the mosque for the Friday prayers, but sometimes able to do it, and yeah. sometimes not. Even though, like you know, my my wife, which I really appreciate that, and my parents, they do like encourage me, and uh, especially when my wife and I are communicating and we are talking about the Islamic topics, I really like you know love and enjoy that those topics, and like you know, I feel it kind of making me more closer to my wife. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, having, yes. Having over. That probably would be hard to stick to the five prayer schedule if you're in a society that's not doing that. You know, the flow of it. Yes, probably. Like, yes. Oh, I have a I team. Mean, like, I have a work meeting on teams right now, but I'm supposed to be, you know, it'd prayers. be hard to like. I mean, stick it, to it's it. not like kind of specific time, but it is, it is a period. Mm-hmm. And especially when you mention if you're not in the environment of that, you definitely either forget it or you come with something that you cannot just, you just can't avoid it. Yeah. But I try my best to, like, you know, uh, as much as they can mm-hmm. yeah i think it's a good practice to like even for me like i um don't have a specific religion but i like to pause and it's good it's a good reminder to pause and like think about reflect it, yeah. and have gratitude and like i used to pray as a kid we would always pray before our meals and i think i like lost habit of that and um sometimes i just stop and think like how fortunate am i to have this food right now and whenever i need it and the people that grew it, and you know, just yeah. really thinking about the gratitude. And I think we just go, go, go right. so yes. much. And it's hard to pause and reflect on, like, the spirituality of what. Exactly. I would echo to that, like, you know, pausing and thinking about, like, you know, this whole um, planet and universe. And you will, like, you know, if you, th- if you just, like, you know, uh, read or watch about, like, you know, uh, the planet and universe, it's, like, so big. And we are so small in front of those <laughs> things. And that's what makes you realize that there's definitely someone who is like, you know, 
controlling everything or like, you know, watching out or have created everything. And then when it comes to that, you like, you know, when you see those, all those religions, I found Islam like, you know, more like, you know, sensible for me, mm -hmm. in my opinion, at least for me, that yes, I mean, this is something, at least my parents like, you know, uh, had this and it's a good opportunity for me to have it and continue to my children. Yeah. I think the rituals are very special and the consistency, like the more I've learned about Ramadan, yes. the month, uh, the holy month where mm -hmm. people, I'm just saying this for listeners, not for your sake, but if you don't know what Ramadan is, um, maybe just share a tiny bit about what Ramadan is. Well, uh, Ramadan is basically like, you know, um, you fast for 30 days and within those 30 days, you basically want to dedicate your most of the time to God and like, uh, you know, share food or clothes or anything that you can afford mm -hmm. to the families. And also it kind of helps you to realize, especially when you feel hunger and thirst that like, you know, a lot of people are in this situation right now. And that definitely makes, I mean, it's just my personal opinion that I'm sharing with you. Yeah. And that's when it gives you the, the idea that, you know, how much we should appreciate God and how much should we like, you know, kind of not feel too proud and be there to help people and you know be there like to take hands yeah yeah that's and then and then after the sun goes down people gather yes sharing <laughs> food i just think that's really special like the community around it you're not doing it by yourself yes i mean like you know if you're able to go to the mosque there are like you know communities who just you know make food and then you know you can just eat a little bit and go and do your prayers and then come back and you know and it's not only about like eating but you know looking or meeting, you know, uh, your friends or colleagues mm -hmm. after some times that you have not been in touch. And, you know, if you get the chance that you can do tarawih, which is like after the, uh, like, you know, breaking your fast and like, you know, basically dedicating most of your time to God mm -hmm. and like, you know, appreciating your life and like, you know, finding like true values of your life and also helping people. Yeah. I was sharing with you before we started recording that I had a chance to go to Greece in 2016 and we were at a, um, it was actually um, a like recreational camp, like a beautiful camp resort. Mm -hmm. And it was the off season and the owner had allowed people from Syria who had fled um, violence. He let them stay there during the off season. So we went and spent some time with them, did some English classes and just got to know them. And it was Ramadan. And so um, they invited us back to break fast with them after sunset. And I remember beforehand, I actually ate because I was like, I don't want to take any of their food like I felt kind of bad and so I ate so I wouldn't be like coming hungry and right but we got there and that was a huge mistake because they had this huge spread and they shared so much and it was so good yes um, yes and they shared they were so the generosity and the exactly, warmth the was generosity especially amazing. they love they love spreading like you know uh, sharing food uh, in Ramadan I think Ramadan is like one of the holiest month for uh, Muslim people and on that month, they re on um, Ramadan months, they really like you know, um, open their heart basically yeah. and wants to like you know share their like you know uh, money, food or any or clothes or anything they can to like you know help people. And I think that way it kind of makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's way one of also one of the ways to keep yourself busy so you don't feel the hunger at first. Yeah, <laughs> just true. like focusing on other people. <laughs> Right. I just remember this couple. I think they were both teachers uh -huh. back in Syria, and they had to like go over 
um, you know, really scary like mountain passes with their kids and just to get out of there. And, and here they were totally out of their element and creating this wonderful experience uh -huh. for us. It was just, I'll never forget that. Um, on, on Islamic countries like Afghanistan, Turkey, Pakistan, I mean, Ramadan month is like kind of a festival, especially mm -hmm. during the evenings and nights that every people like go out and you kind of like enjoying it and you're appreciating it. Yeah. Like, you know, watching like, you know, people going running to, you know, um, to mosques to like, you know, get them their prayers. And like, you know, when it comes to, uh, I remember like, you know, there was a time when uh, on Ramadans, on um, official places, uh, like it gets you off around 2, uh, 2 p.m. And so you get sometimes to either go have some prayers or sleep or, you know, uh, prepare for the evening, mm -hmm. you know, uh, food. So I would go and like have my prayers and then sleep and then wake up and then go out and like, you know, when you're hungry, you want to just buy everything. Yes, that's why I yeah, <laughs> so, don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. I have done that a lot of the time, <laughs> yeah. most of the times, even I would still do that. Believe me, like you know, if I'm hungry, yeah, I go to either like, you know, Walmart or any kind of just buy everything, especially with the sauces and spices. Uh, <laughs> normally we make sambosas. And Bulani's okay. like pratas on those, uh, especially like, you know, on after the sunset and after the prayers or the azan. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just go and grab everything that I like to make, like, you know, a little bit tastier. <laughs> um, I don't know what we, were what we were talking about or what was our topic about. But yeah, I mean. Um, just like the party atmosphere. And like, yes. I, I always like, because we got to be in Istanbul for one of the nights of this trip. And really? it was such wow. a party at night. And they had this whole line of vendors and these lights. Yeah. And people were making their craft right in front of you, like glass or jewelry. Or... So you have seen it. You it's have seen amazing. It, it was it so amazing. special. Yeah, and I always thought to like, to have that mm -hmm. and then to come to Idaho for your first Ramadan, I'm like, it probably can't even compare. Like it probably feels nah. not so festive or exciting. Um, well, it's like, you know, it's a compulsion to take it. So as long as you're taking it, that's important. <laughs> yeah, but just like the party vibe. The party like vibe. It's the like, you know. If, uh, that was, or the festival, I guess, not really a party, but like the. It is a kind of kind a party. Of like, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone would like, you know, take that as a negative. Okay. But if you're like, you know, um, if you're like, let's say if you're like practicing your, uh, your, your, you know, your religion and like, you know, completing all those like, you know, necessary rules, like, you know, doing your fasting and prayers, and then you're going to the mosque for the prayers, for the trave, and then, like, you know, eating with the, um, with a group of families or with your families and enjoying or in, uh, spending some time with them. I think that is uh, uh, definitely a party. If it's something that keeping you healthy, <laughs> then it's a party. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So can you t share a little bit about the work that you're that you're doing at IRC um, as you're supervising the community advisor group? Yes, so I, I manage and oversee uh, community advisors uh, who, like, you know, work with um, families who have a uh, refugee background and who have been in, like, you know, in within their first years of residency. Um, we kind of, like, coaching them, guiding them, mm -hmm. uh, assisting them to tackle their barriers and basically kind of working um, let's say as a bridge and connecting them to resources, whether it's like housing or employment or immigration, basically everything. And I think um, that's one of the 
let's say this way that having this uh, community advisors is really helpful to like you know helps you to navigate yeah. uh you're like you know the basic needs that you have uh for example let's say like you know requesting a maintenance for your house yeah or paying your bills because i mean um it's like you can do everything through the tip of your fingers nowadays and um, a lot of people knows it and a lot of people doesn't so we want to make sure that they understand mm -hmm. and not only like they understand like helping them just like in you know, one time but also like trying to coach them to learn so they can, you know, tackle those barriers or overcome those challenges again in future by themselves. So that's our goal. Yeah. Wow. It it must be so vital to have. I think about, like, I grew up here and then I, there's so many little times where I did something wrong, like at the DMV trying to get my license renewed, but right. I didn't do the right thing and then I had to go back home. And, or, like, even with my CenturyLink account the other day, I couldn't get into it to pay my bill and I called. <laughs> I was so frustrated. It was just like... Sheesh, I can't imagine this being in a different language right now. But. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, oh, this is why like, it makes me appreciate um, these, um, not only resettlement agencies or non-profit organizations, but also people who volunteers, who's willing to support uh, new arrivals, new refugees. It's mm -hmm. so kind and so helpful. I have seen a lot of people like, you know, I mean, I'm surrounded by great people with great personalities like yourself. Oh, uh, like <laughs> always willing to assist, always willing to help. We have interns, we have volunteers, and they're always like, you know, uh, like they're so energetic to assist people, helping them navigating and like, you know, connecting them with uh, resources. Mm -hmm. um, how long, yeah, how long have you been working at the IRC? Um, I think, um, let's say two years, August or September 2021. And, when, and yeah. so I had like my interview on September, I believe. And then um, I took off for some times because I had my wedding plan oh, in Pakistan. So yeah. I had to go there and then I came back. And then so I started as an interpreter and okay. I just, you know, as a part time interpreter. And I just wanted to like, you know, be there because I had a, a job at that time in journeys and um, wanted to go there and help families, people, mm -hmm. you know, with... Um, translation and i think i have this kind of uh, mentality that if if i can help someone and it makes them like um smile or they feel happy about it that makes me like you know i feel peace internally mm -hmm. and that that was like always my goal too whether i'm working in a non-profit organization or not like to help them in any ways that i can like you know even if just like you know um translating online for them Mm -hmm. that means probably nothing for me but it can help them a lot so i always had that like you know kind of mentality or mindset so you said when you first came to idaho you were looking for an exit plan yes do you still have like what is your hope for what's next for you do you want to still go experience like a bigger city or do you want to i know maybe your parents are listening and you don't want to tell them yet <laughs> Just kidding. um well i don't have any plan for now at least uh, i mean the primary goal for me is that my wife comes here mm -hmm. and so we can start our lives together and we'll see i always like has been a person that have been gone with the flow yeah <laughs> your life takes you exactly yeah but uh would never decline that because i like to explore yes. countries states and like you know uh meeting new people that has been what like you know i've been uh grown with or raised with yeah, yeah. That's one thing I really like about working in this 
field is that um, just being in Boise, we get to experience so many different cultures and customs and mm -hmm. people and perspectives. And um, it's pretty special to have that all in one of place. Of course, of course, yes. Uh, I mean, like, I like the diversity, which you like, you know, uh, learn, you meet uh, different people and like kind of learn from their cultures and their languages. Uh, there are like two, like two things or two aspects that I like, not only about the Idaho, but the United States is that the first, the, the system that we call rule of law mm -hmm. and the second that people who follows it. I mean, whether you like it or not, or whether you agree to it or not, people still follows it. And I think that's what, uh, really helps a country to develop, you know? Um, like myself coming from a third world country understands the meaning of this, like, that how much it helps a country to like, you know, uh, um, be like developing and like, you know, being more stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I always really appreciated like the freedom of speech, you know, being a journalist before. Religion, freedom of speech. Felt very, yeah, I felt very grateful and I hope that I hope that we can have a continued future of of those freedoms. You know, you see in other parts of the world where things deteriorate. You know, and and I sometimes I'm afraid <laughs> of the future, um, but I think you know if enough people like value and we care about it, we can maintain those freedoms. Definitely, definitely. I think yeah, that's that's really uh, important everyone and i think that's what gives people a freedom of like you know mentally at least mm -hmm. that like you know they're free to like you know um have a speech mm -hmm. or say what it's like you know they have in their mind and also practice any religion they want mm -hmm. yeah. well anything that you would like to share with um, idahoans who are listening um just on ways that they can welcome in others uh, definitely. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for like, you know, supporting. Because, uh, I mean, I have seen everyone. They have been very nice. I think I should say we because I'm also at Idaho. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, people have been very um, nice, very friendly. I have been to other states, to be honest. But I found it Idaho to be more like, you know, a very calm uh, society. People are very friendly and nice super sweet, super helpful. So I just want to appreciate that and say thank you for that. And also just, you know, keep doing it, keep supporting, uh, like, you know, new arrivals, new people who's coming. And like with your solidarity, they will definitely, like, you know, it will help them to rebuild their lives, yeah, their new lives. Well, uh, Sahi, Sahi, yes? am I saying your name right Sahi. Now? Sahi. <laughs> Beautiful name. Appreciate um, thank that. you <laughs> for thank you for coming on Mosaics. Thank you for sharing about your life, and the heart, course, and course. it was really nice to have this time. It was with you. really an honor to be here, and like, like yeah, uh, I hope like you know we had a good time here, and I hope like people audience or audience enjoy our podcast and like you know keep continuing supporting us, our Mosaics. Yes, thank you. And for Mosaics, if you know someone that you think would be a good interview for the podcast, please reach out. You can contact us at mosaics at idahorefugees.org. Thank you so much.